Today's case on Crime Nerds covers a mysterious disappearance in a dangerous love triangle. I'm your host, Koi Atkins, and this is the story of Bethany Decker. Bethany Littlejohn was born on May 13, 1989, in Fredericksburg, Virginia. After high school, Bethany attended George Mason University in Fairfax, Virginia, where she majored in global and economic change, and at the same time, she was working a full-time job. While she was in college, Bethany met Emil Decker, who was in the Army National Guard. Bethany married Emil in 2009, and then six months later, their son was born. Then, Emil was deployed to Afghanistan. Between work, college, and having a baby, Bethany had a busy schedule. Emil's parents offered to help out with childcare, so a lot of times, Bethany's son was with them in Columbia, Maryland. Bethany was working at a Carabas restaurant in 2010, which is where she met a 30-year-old guy named Ronald Rolden, and the two of them soon began having an affair. By late 2010, Bethany's marriage wasn't going so well. She had moved out of the house and had her own apartment in Ashburn, Virginia. Her relationship with Ronald started moving forward and he moved into the apartment with her, but things didn't get better. Instead, they increasingly got worse. According to Bethany's family, Ronald was abusive, controlling, and possessive of her. He would demand that she would send him a picture of herself several times throughout the day to show who she was with and where she was at. Her parents began trying to help her get out of the relationship, and by the end of the year, Bethany was pregnant again. In January of 2011, Emil returned from his deployment for a month-long leave. During that time, he and Bethany took a vacation to Hawaii for a week. On January 28th, they returned and spent the night at his parents' house in Maryland. The following morning, Bethany left to go back to her apartment. Ronald came over and saw her that afternoon. Bethany then called into her work to just confirm her work schedule for that upcoming week. On February 2nd, Emil was returning to Afghanistan. Several friends came to say goodbye to him at the airport, but Bethany didn't come. A lot of friends thought that this was odd. Even though they had their issues, they really thought she would still be there. But they kind of just chalked this up to having something to do with their marriage problems. How would you like to save a couple of hours each week? Grocery shopping takes time, and time is something that we are always trying to get more of. That's where Instacart comes in. With Instacart, you can spend that extra time catching up on other things like the gym, reading a book, or listening to a podcast while you're reading a book at the gym. Instacart also uses its technology to highlight deals to help save you money. The shoppers pick the freshest produce and they even keep your eggs safe. Instacart delivers to your door in as fast as one hour. If you use the link in the show notes, it helps support this show and it lets Instacart know that I sent you. And 
you will get a free delivery on your first order of over $35. And now, back to the show. Because of Bethany's busy schedule with work and school, friends had gotten used to not hearing from her for several days at a time. For most of February, no one thought it was out of the ordinary that they hadn't heard from Bethany. But towards the end of February, friends started to worry. A few friends reached out to Bethany's mother, Kim, and told her that they'd received Facebook messages from Bethany's account, but the messages didn't seem like it was her talking. On February 19th, after not hearing from Bethany or being able to get a hold of her on her own, Kim reached out to her parents, who lived near Bethany, and asked them to go by the apartment. When they arrived, Bethany's car was still parked out front, but it was at an odd angle that you wouldn't normally see a car parked. It had a flat tire, and it was noticeably dusty, like it hadn't been driven in a while. They tried knocking on the door, but there was no answer. Bethany's grandparents contacted the local police and they reported Bethany as missing. As investigators began looking into Bethany's disappearance, they learned that no one had seen or spoken directly to Bethany since the day she returned home from Emile's parents' house. Emile saw her that morning when she left. Ronald saw her that afternoon, and those were the last two that actually physically saw her. The manager that spoke to her on the phone about her work schedule was the last person that they were able to confirm that actually spoke to her. The other alarming detail was that neither her bank accounts or her cell phone had been used since the morning that she returned home. As investigators learned about the marriage and the affair, their two main people to focus on were Emil and Ronald. They both seemed like they would have a motive to harm Bethany. Investigators worked with the Army's Criminal Investigation Command, and Emil was actually sent back to the U.S., where he was interviewed and took a polygraph test. Ronald moved out of the apartment in February and moved in with his mother. He said that he was moving out because the lease was expiring. He also said that Bethany just never showed back up one day, and he assumed that she went back to live with her family. I'm no expert here, but that doesn't sound like the best story to go with since her only car was still at the apartment that they were sharing. And police began narrowing in on Ronald as their main person of interest after they learned about the history of domestic violence, identity theft, public intoxication, and a 2006 incident where he smashed out a woman's car window. In March, police searched a field near the complex hoping to find any clues, but they came up empty. They also served a search warrant on Ronald's current residence, in the search warrant, they specified that they were looking for anything that could be related to a murder investigation. The police collected his cell phone, computers, and they found a key to Bethany's car. But with the cell phone, computers, interviews, and following up on countless tips, the police weren't able to find any evidence that would link Ronald to Bethany's disappearance. Bethany's due date was for the summer of 2011. On the chance that she did disappear on her own and wanted to be away from everyone, investigators checked with local hospitals for anyone matching Bethany's description, but again, they came up empty. Then, as with so many cases, time began to pass, and leads began to go cold. Ronald stayed in Virginia for a while. In 2014, he began dating a woman by the name of Vicki Willoughby, who he met at a restaurant. Ronald grew increasingly controlling over Vicky, 
and she fled from Ronald to a small town in North Carolina called Pinehurst. But a few months later, Ronald found out where she was, and he showed up. During an argument at the house, Ronald attacked Vicky, but she was prepared. She had a handgun hidden in the living room. She was able to get to it, and she shot Ronald twice. He made his way to her and began fighting over the gun. Ronald was able to take control of the gun. Ronald then shot Vicky three times, with one of those shots being to her head. Being shot three times, once in the head, Vicky still was able to fight through her injuries. She did lose an eye, but she survived the attack. Ronald was arrested for assault with a deadly weapon, assault on a female, discharging a firearm in an occupied dwelling, and later charges were upgraded to attempted murder on Vicky. Detectives on Bethany's case traveled to North Carolina to speak with Ronald in jail, but he told them that he wasn't going to talk to them and that they could just speak with his lawyer. In May of 2016, Ronald ended up taking a plea deal. He pled to two felony assault charges and was sentenced to six to eight years in prison. And also, because he wasn't a U.S. citizen, he would be deported back to Bolivia when he was released. Then the year 2020 came. While a lot happened around the world in 2020, there was one important thing that was happening in Bethany's case. Ronald was getting ready to be released from prison and deported. Detectives in Bethany's case still didn't have a body, but they knew that their chances of bringing closure to the family would pretty much be gone if he was deported. Not to mention, there's no telling who else he might hurt, or allegedly who he might hurt in the future. So detectives and prosecutors put all their cards on the table and decided to charge Ronald for Bethany's murder without having a body. Ronald was extradited back to Virginia to face his charges. In the arrest warrant, detectives laid out the evidence that they did have. On January 29, 2011, Bethany called her job at 2.08 p.m. A co-worker confirmed that they did speak with Bethany on the phone. That was the last phone call Bethany made. That same day, Ronald sent Bethany two text messages. One was at 4.01 p.m. and one was at 4.31 p.m. to let her know that his ex-girlfriend was going to bring their children over and he would have his kids for the night. Ronald's ex-girlfriend showed up at the apartment around 4.30. Ronald made a comment to her that Bethany was gone and he wasn't sure if she was going to come back. A few days later, when Ronald's ex-girlfriend returned for the kids, he told her that Bethany hadn't returned. She pointed out to him that she saw Bethany's car in the parking lot and he couldn't explain why it was there. After serving a subpoena to Facebook, detectives learned more important information. After Bethany went missing, her Facebook was accessed consistently for several days, which is where the strange messages to friends were sent. And the IP address that was used to access it was Ronald's. That IP address was accessing Bethany and Ronald's Facebook accounts around the same time over those days, which supported the theory that Ronald was impersonating Bethany on Facebook. As of July 2021, Ronald is still awaiting trial for his charges in Bethany's disappearance. I'm pretty sure I have to say this for any legal reasons, so just remember everyone is innocent until proven guilty. And this is going to bring us to a conclusion of this episode of Crime Nerds. If you could, please leave a rating or a review. It really helps this show out a lot. And as always, thank you for listening. <laughs>